Welcome to a special edition and, in fact, a special week of Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. It's kind of a fun time right now, uh, MLB All-Star Breaks. We're trying something different on the podcast this week, taking a look back at all the amazing events that were here in the Twin Cities 30 years ago, 1991, and spilling a little bit into 1992. Only fitting that we do this chronologically and this coincides with a, a print and StarTribune.com written package as well that you guys should certainly check out on the website and in print. Um, got kicked off Sunday, and there'll be five of these to go with these podcasts as well. First one today on the 1991 North Stars. Made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. Nobody really expected that based on their regular season. 27 wins, 39 losses, 14 ties. But maybe a little bit better than that, and I'll get to that a little bit later with my guests, Brian Bellows, a key member of that team. Had a great conversation with him not too long ago, and also Chicken Fingers 69 good friend of mine who is a huge hockey fan. Helps me remember kind of what it was like to be a fan during that time as well. I hope you guys enjoy this series. Tuesday, we'll talk to talk about the U.S. Open, Patrick Royce, that golf tournament being in June of 1991. Um, Wednesday, we'll revisit the 1991 World Series between the Twins and Atlanta. Kent Herbeck will be my special guest on that episode. Thursday, talking about the Super Bowl that was hosted in in Minneapolis in 1992 at the Metrodome, January 26th to be exact. Uh, former Star Tribune editor Tim McGuire on to talk about that and just the uh, just the, uh, the the crazy time that was, and also the uh, the nickname protests of the Washington team that kind of got kind of got kicked off there and really bore fruit eventually 30 years later. We'll finish off the series Friday. I'll talk to Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, about the 1992 Final Four, the Michigan Fab Five, and everything that went into that that Final Four, of course, at the Metrodome. I still can't believe there were all those events and that one major U.S. city was given the Super Bowl and Final Four basically in a nine-week span. I don't think that would happen these days. But to start things off, really excited to, to share with you the, uh, the the episode on the North Stars and the run they made. You know, they, they you know, finished last in their division, but they beat Chicago, beat St. Louis, and then beat the defending champion uh, Edmonton Oilers on the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, where they were up two games to one against Pittsburgh before their luck ran out. Really happy to be joined today by Brian Bellows, a key member of the North Stars for many years, and um, obviously an instrumental instrumental part of that run to the Stanley Cup Finals in 1991. Brian, how you doing? Uh, doing okay. Doing okay, guys. Beautiful day. It is a beautiful day, and uh, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Um, I, you know, when when asking athletes to remember things that happened 30 years ago, I, I never know exactly what what they can recall, what was just kind of happening in the moment. But you know, as you you know, 30 years later, as you think about the run you guys went on after the regular season you had in particular, what you know, what stands out? What do you remember from from that time? I, I guess the number one thing is that you know, yeah, people forget that from the All Star break in, we were, you know, the one of the top teams in the league, if not the top. And I think that's that's a big thing, um, you know, for to realize. And so it wasn't. I mean, it may uh, sound like a fluke, but it wasn't. In in that sense, as far as when we showed up, what was unexpected was you know, going into Chicago and winning that first game, like that was huge. 
And then it just carried forth. I mean, uh, you know, we, we beat the number one, number two, uh, and uh, then we beat the Stanley Cup final, uh, in Stanley Cup uh, chance from last year. So, would, you know, based on what you just said, did you guys have a, maybe more confidence than people would realize going into the playoffs? Um, well, we had enough. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, we had, we had good expectations, but you got to get a run. Um, and you know, part of it was also that, you know, we, we had to have a lot of things kind of happen along the way. And, you know, for us, you know, I think one of those things is that first big win, you get it. And then, you know, I think that we showed people we were serious in the first two, three games. And then we actually got some great fans. Um, I think the wake up was just the way Ganey kind of, you know, really prepared us in the last 15, 20 games. And even going into the playoffs, I remember he'd bring me aside and he just said, look, at, uh, I'm putting you with Bobby Smith and Stu Gavin. <clears throat> I know it's not what you're expecting, but we need three solid lines. And, um, you know, he goes, trust me on this. And I, I did. And, and uh, it's, you know, one of the keys, you know, him coming from the Canadians, he realized that, you don't just win with a couple of defensemen and four or five players. You need a, you, you need a whole crew. And I think that was, you know, the fact that he, you know, he, he moved me around and he made a change. I think it sent a statement to the guys that, you know, this playoffs is different and we're really trying to do something. And you'd had 35 goals in the regular season, 75 points. You end up leading the team in scoring in the playoffs with 29 points in 23 games. A, a pretty impressive output. What, what do you remember from your own, you know, individual, any individual efforts on your own or, or from teammates stand out to you? Um, I would say the main thing that, you know, led to that was our power play was phenomenal. You know, and, and, you know, it really made sense because, you know, we were playing Chicago and St. Louis first around very physical teams. And I think we were running 30% plus. And, you know, when you want to play a rough team and you can all of a sudden do that, it makes a huge difference. All of a sudden they just can't, or they may, but, you know, they're going to run into trouble. We kept scoring against them. That gets even more frustrate, frustration. Yeah, just looking at the stats here, you guys had 35 power play goals in 23 playoff games. You yourself had six. Gagne had six. Brian Propp had eight. I mean, you guys, that's a, I mean, modern-wise, if you score 35 playoff goals or <laughs> playoff goals in the, on the power play, that's like a goal and a half a game. That's a that's a pretty amazing yeah. clip. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think we, we moved the puck around. Well, we had some talent, let's face it. You know, it was Gagne or Smith or McDonough or Braden. So we had enough players that – kind of move the buck. Mark Tenorti really, uh, you know, really, you know, pushed the envelope. I thought he played fantastic the whole time. So, you know, like you said, this, the start of the year was was rough. You guys at a certain point, I think we're like 12 and 28, and then it, it starts to click. What, you know, what was it at the start of the year that wasn't working, and what was it that the team, you know, found to, you know, get in, not only get into the playoffs, but have some momentum at a certain point to, you know, to get that going? You know, I, I think... You know, when Kenny came over, it was a huge transition and <clears throat> playing a trap, playing the way he wanted to, and just kind of, you know, realizing that we used to just try and create the off offense. Now we're in a situation where we're now, you know, creating offense from defense and, you know, believing in it, buying into it. It took a little time. 
And I think that's part of it. Part of it is, uh, I think you saw, you know, the emergence of, you know, Casey and Mark Tenorti as being some of the top players at their position made a big difference. Okay. And they kind of carried through, too. And now, you know, this run could have been over pretty quick. You're down 2-1 in that first series to Chicago, and then you you know, you know win game four um, at the Mets Center, and then a 6 nothing win in, in game five at Chicago. Uh, seems like kind of a, a statement win. It was is that is that fair to say, or how how do you recall that specific game? Well, I remember that game getting rough near the end, and we get up three nothing, and the frustration hit, and then they just kept going out and trying that you know game to push us around, and it really wasn't working. But it seemed like that was the only way they could come back to try and you know go after us, and. Um, you know, then from there, we just gained more more strength. And I think going into game six, we kind of knew. I mean, you never know for sure, but we, we just believed in what we had and what we were doing. And then you beat St. Louis, like you said. You beat Edmonton. You get to the cup finals against Pittsburgh. You're, you're up 2-1 in that series. You've got a game four back at Met Center. Is that a matter at that point of Pittsburgh's skill taking over? What What happens in those last three games that – you know, unfortunately keeps you guys from, from, you know, hoisting the cup at the end. You know, I, I look back and it's after playing on different teams, it's a combination. Um, talent normally wins. Also, we had played, you know, uh, three pretty physical series, hard series. And, you know, I, I, going into it, none of them were easy. And coming out of it, I thought we were a little tired. And that's, it just kind of hits you. You just don't have anything left. And, and, uh, you know, we kept getting down two, three goals at the start. And you get, you know, you, then you have to open it up versus Pittsburgh. It never really works. And as you, you know, a couple more things for you. Really appreciate the time kind of looking back here all week at some uh, some amazing stuff that happened in Minnesota 30 years ago. You know, do you, how much do you keep in touch with a lot of your teammates from from that from that team from those North Stars days. I mean, I know you guys had a I think it was a reunion game a few years ago when they played the outdoor game against Chicago. But how much does this team stay in touch and and even you know talk about that run? Um, not much. No. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> We've. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably stay in touch more with some of the guys that played with in Montreal. Um, okay. Just because we won, we have that. You know, connection. Um, I'll run into Gagne once in a while. I'll see uh, a few other guys here and there, but not too often. Most of the guys just live other places. Yeah, that makes sense. You're still located locally. You work uh, work at Piper. You told me it's not Piper Jaffer yes. anymore, so <laughs> you've lost track of uh, mergers along the way. I guess my last question for you will kind of tie your past and present. If you knew what you you know knew what you knew about that team going into the playoffs would you have told people to invest in the north stars in the 91 playoffs no because you can never you can never judge when momentum's going to really take over and you know we had the momentum coming in like i said from the all-star break being one of the top teams but you're getting that you got to have a couple you know you go into chicago and you win that first game if you don't win that you're like whoa i know we went down 2-1 but still you know, we had a sense that we could we could do it and believe in it. And uh, that game was a great coach for what we were doing at the time. It was great. All right, Brian Bellows, appreciate the time so much. Thanks for taking a trip down memory lane with me, and uh, enjoy enjoy the rest of the summer, all right? Thank you very much.
to help us remember the 1991 North Stars even better, I'd like to welcome in Chicken Fingers 69 right now to this podcast. We heard from Brian Bellows um, a little <laughs> while ago. Um, so this will be a definitely a different perspective before I get into your <laughs> memories of that team, uh, because I imagine you and I are pretty similar age. I bet you were probably a teenager, um, yep. a hockey player probably back then. And, yep. you know, that's probably a pretty big deal to you. I wasn't living in Minnesota yet. So I had my memories of it are, are a little bit more faint, but I want to get some of your memories of that run. But I also want to bring up a couple things that, that Brian Bellows brought up. One in particular was that maybe this team wasn't as quite as bad as we thought. They started the year terrible. They were 12, 28 and eight at one point and then went on a pretty nice little run um, to kind of get themselves back into that, that position finished 27, 39 and four. So if I'm doing the, the math, right, they were basically like, you know, 16, 11 and six or 16, you know, 16, 12 and six, something like that down the, you know, down the stretch. Um, so, you know, maybe carried some carried more momentum into those playoffs than maybe I realized. Do you, re, do you remember that about that season? Well, Lord, that's 30 years ago. A lot, of, a lot of concussions for me between now and then. A lot of, but I'm doing my best. Um, I, I'd, I'd be interested in Bellow's perspective on why he thinks that is. I guess my amateur perspective. I, wonder, I recall Mandato being young. If he wasn't, was that his rookie year? Uh, no, but it was pretty close. I think it was, I don't think it was his rookie year, but it was, it was close to it. At least I just recall that him being young, if maybe that's a part of it, you know, still getting acclimated to the NHL. Um, and it took him some time to get going. I know he wasn't their best player at that time, but he was, uh, you know, an emerging player. Maybe that was part of it. If they had injuries, I certainly don't recall. I wonder, I wonder what the, the, the reason for it. His, his perspective on it was that basically Ganey wanted to play kind of more of a trapping style, and it took him a while to kind of figure out the new system, essentially. And once they kind of figured it out, they felt like they were a much better team in the second half of the year than the first half of the year. So, you know, it just kind of goes uh, to show that, you know, we, I guess the, the bigger point, you know, less than you remembering all that, the bigger point, I guess, is we tend to, we tend to construct these narratives about teams being the worst ever, or like how did a 27, 39 and 14 team make it to the, the Stanley cup finals. And, you know, in reality, a season isn't necessarily always defined by the entire thing. Sometimes it's segmented and you see, you probably see that with, with this team that they were maybe, you know, carried at least some momentum, uh, Brian Bella said into the, uh, into the postseason. The other thing that I thought was interesting in looking back at the stats on that team is they were, they were at least a decent team when John Casey played in net. Yeah. I think they were around 500 for the year, maybe even a little bit better than 500 when he played. And they just did not have much by way of a uh, goaltending depth. I'm going to look up the stats here really quick. So I have them in front of me. Thanks to a hockey, thanks to hockey reference, love the hockey reference, but uh, boy, I didn't do any research, but I assume Carrie taco was still their backup. I don't, he, I couldn't well, tell you. He, he played a little bit. Basically, it was John Casey played, ended up with 62 decisions. Um, he made oh, 55 wow. starts. 21, 20, and 11 was his record with a, you know 891 save percentage, 2.98 goals against average. Again, this was 30 years ago when goals were a little bit easier to, to come by. Um, mm -hmm. 
but uh, Brian Hayward was the primary backup during the regular season. He went six, 15 and three um, Jarmo Mills and Kerry taco played sure. uh, four games combined. Owen two each gave up 20 goals total. So when their primary goalie was on the ice, which you generally tend to have during the postseason, they were at least a 500 team over the course of the whole season. Well, there you go. I guess that's the perspective then they, uh, I wonder if Ganey wanted more depth or, or at goaltender or what the, you know, if, if Casey was injured, if maybe he just didn't like former North Dakota players, I, that's, that's what I'm going with. He had um, Perry Barazan on the roster too, another former UND player. I know you have a, a gripe against, uh, against that in general. Those are guys I remember John Casey was not a big guy, by the way. I didn't realize that no. he was pretty small. I, I did not mm-hmm. realize that. I, remember, I just remember him being feisty. I did not remember him being a smaller goalie, but like he was listed like 5'10", 155. They like those small goalies up there in Grand Forks. Carl Gehring. Gehring, yeah. He was pretty good, too, though. He was a good goalie. Very good. Apple um, Valley. Very good. Apple Valley kid. So beyond that, that kind of just frames a little bit of, you know, going into the postseason, you know, Brian Bellis said they felt better about themselves maybe than a lot of people might have felt about them. But, what you know, as a fan, you know, growing up, you, you know, you probably didn't – there weren't a lot of, a lot of runs to, to latch on to. What, you know – as, as the stars are making that run in 91, what, uh, you know, you know, as a, as an impressionable teenager hockey fan, what, uh, you know, what, what did that mean to you? Sure. What I, what I recall about that run was there wasn't a ton of, there was a lot of North stars apathy at the time, um, leading up to it. Uh, I was 15, I was a North stars fan, but I was doing other things. Um, the twins are pretty good. Um, I think a lot of the town's focus was on that. Now I had a unique relationship with the North stars. I had a buddy that, um, his mom was dating one of the front office guys for the North stars. So we would get into a lot of games and, and kind of run around the, the bowels of the old, the old Met center, um, during games and snowball fights at the Zamboni snow. And we got into the locker room and, um, it's, I, I just love the North stars, but you know, that's pretty unique. Uh, yeah, she was she was pretty hot. That was pretty cool that we got to do, <laughs> that we got to do that. Um, so I love that that group, but you know I don't re- recall my buddies just being enormous North Star fans. It was just another team in town. Um, what I recall specifically about that team was going into the playoffs. I want to say they were the. I didn't do any research on this again, like so I'm kind of coming to this cold. I wanted it just to be my memories, not yeah. So what I recall was they they must have been a low seat not a high seed, maybe the, even the lowest. And I recall them playing Chicago who obviously we hated, right? That was the biggest rival in town were the Blackhawks. I recall them playing Chicago first, first round. Is that right? That is correct. Yes. First round against Chicago. Cause this was back in the day where, you know, it was kind of like it was for the NHL this past season where it was all, you know, four teams in the division made the, yeah. uh, made, made the playoffs. And so 16 total, but the top four in each division. So you could get in with a slightly lesser record. And what I recall about the NHL at that time, so it was the Stars must have been the lowest seed. The, the Blackhawks were the, were the top seed, if I recall. And so we're kind of entering to be almost like in, in the, we hated the Blackhawks, but it, back then the NHL, there weren't a lot of top seeds losing to bottom seeds in the playoffs, right? It was almost more like the NBA in the sense that the top seeds were would roll that first round. So 
the fans were kind of in the, the oh crap. It's almost like the Twins playing the Yankees again, right? Oh, here we go again. They're going to get smoked. Um, whatever, right? And when the North Stars knocked off the Hawks, that kind of woke everybody up. That's my recollection of that team and kind of gets really started that role. Yeah, I mean, just to refresh your memory, Blackhawks were the, the Norris division champs that season. 49-23-8 was their record. North Stars were 27-39-14, so a pretty big gap there. Uh, I would note the Stars had a, their goal differential was only a minus 10, so again, that's a little more evidence that they were, even, even if they were the, the worst, you know, the, the four seed, uh, definitely, you know, down at the bottom. I think they had the fewest wins of any playoff qualifier that season. Um, they still, you know, maybe were, you know, again, a little bit deceptive. But yeah, if you're playing a team that won almost twice as many regular season games as you did, you are going in as a, a pretty clear underdog. No expectations. So that's what I recall. And then after that win, they, uh, after that series win, that kind of awoke on that, that woke the town up. Right. So now I'm guessing they played, I remember they played, well, they must've played St. Louis. Cause I remember they played St. They Louis did. and then Edmonton. Um, and St. Yeah. Louis, we hated St. Louis too. I remember yeah, they were, and that was a 47 and 22 team. I mean, that was a team that again was 20 wins clear of the North stars during the regular season. Yeah. Good team. Was that, I wonder if that was Brett Hall and those, knuckleheads we we hated st louis too is what i remember it was it went kind of chicago was our top rival st louis was next so now we've got a and then they knocked off st louis now the ball's really rolling right yeah next year playing edmonton um you know coming they're still they weren't what they used to be it's not the 80s anymore but it's still edmonton and yeah, they're cup, i think they were defending cup champions at that point yeah they're still really good um so, but that ball now that ball's really rolling downhill, right? And the town's just in love. There's that picture. I, I I don't know if people know what I'm talking about. Are those guys on the on the car with the helmets on wearing North Stars uniforms? Oh, yeah. for goofballs. Um, that that kind of encapsulates that the whole feeling in town, the the mood in town. It was uh, you know, the North Stars were kind of a blue collar outfit here in town, right? They weren't um they kind of catered to that group, uh, drunken beer fans. Yeah. Yeah. Beer, beer drink, that, that type of group, but it was, it was still a show me team, right? They needed to beat the, the Blackhawks and the, and the blues to wake the town up. Yeah. So then they, they play the Oilers, like you said, and they, they basically steamroll the Oilers. It's four one in that series. Um, and then, you know, they, they come to play the penguins. You're thinking, oh my gosh, like they've, they've got this, they've got this opportunity now where they're, you know, not, uh, you know, they're basically, they were, you know, the last qualifier, like the 16 out of the 16th out of 21, uh, there's only 21 NHL teams back then. Let's, let's remember that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're playing the penguins who, you know, were good, but maybe not great that year but they scored 342 goals can you imagine 342 regular season goals in 80 in 80 games uh that oh. season by the way that's a some fire wagon hockey right there and it, it kind of turns out that way and the, the stars actually took a 2-1 series mm-hmm. lead kind of brought us to the brink of of the real hope um and, and then it you know it it, it fades did you w- when did you go all in on that team when, when were you just utterly convinced they were going to win it all no, I don't recall that at all. I don't recall thinking they were going to win at all. I recall it just being a lot of fun. Um, 
it was destiny. You know, I, they were like on channel nine. You know, there wasn't Twitter. I was 15. I wasn't reading the newspaper or whatever. I just remember couldn't wait for the games to start. We had an old crappy TV in the television that got channel nine. We didn't have cable. Um, and it was just so much fun. Buddies coming over. My buddy loved Mark Tenorti. Uh, th- yeah, that's what I recall about the team. Um, and I recall watching uh, the Penguins and Mario Lemieux was just so much better than anybody we had. It was almost like, again, to carry my Yankees twins analogy further, it was like watching, you know, Mariano Rivera against the twins in those years when he'd come in and you just thought there's, we don't have a ch- Jason Kubel, you know, his at bat against Rivera where he had, he might as well have been holding the bat backwards. He had no shot against Mario Lemieux and just watching that kid, that guy, um, dominate the stars. I, I, he had to win the MVP of that series just because I recall him absolutely dominating that team. And we didn't, the stars didn't have an answer for that. No, they did not. Um, I'm looking up the stats right now. Lemieux had 12 points, five goals, seven assists in the, uh, in the six games. That's, that's pretty good. That'll, that'll play, um, at a shooting percentage of 20.8. So that's, uh, that's not bad either the last last thing is we we're kind of thinking about thinking back on this do you i think you brought up an interesting point there's no twitter obviously back then you you, you were, were consuming sports a little bit differently back then than, than we do now maybe my parallel is you know the the world series that happened a few months later between atlanta mm-hmm. and and the twins you know where i'm just i'm watching every game i'm hanging on every game but you're not like doing all this pre-game stuff you're not like you know no. doing all this chatter with all these people do you can can, can we have a, a similarly pure playoff run right now, or, or is the over-analysis not make that kind of thing as, as possible these days, do you think? I don't think it'll ever be the same. It, no, it'll never go back to the way it was. The closest it'll be will be some surprise team like this that you just are happy that it exists and you don't overanalyze because you're just ha- it's not going to happen, but let's say the twins go on a similar run, right? They started crappy like that North stars team does, and they go on a run. Baseball lends itself to over analysis. So maybe it's not a, a great analogy, but it'd be a team like that, that just simply nobody expected to be good, but makes a long run here in this town. That'll be as close as we get, but we'll still suffer from over analysis. It'll it's just the way the world is now. It is the way of the world. Well, Chicken Finger 69, thank you so much for helping me remember um, the 91 North Stars even a little bit more as we kind of look back on some of the, the big, big events that were here uh, 30 years ago. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. I'm going to try. My hatred of Yarmir Yager endures. And just one final thought, too, about that North Stars team. Everybody kind of gives them grief because of their poor record. I, th- I think that that... We hopefully we dispelled some of that. And I also want to just mention 27, 39, and 14. These days, teams would get a little bit of a break on that, right? Because you get the uh, the overtime shootout wins. Imagine if those 14 ties, let's give seven of those to the win column and seven of those to the overtime shootout loss column. All of a sudden, the North Stars are 34, 39, and 7. That still doesn't sound great, but that sounds almost like a 500 team. Sounds like something that might be closer to what they were. A team that got on a great run and got this whole set of amazing events going in the Twin Cities back then. So 
you know, hope you guys enjoyed this show. Hope you guys listened the rest of the week to, uh, to all the great stuff we've got coming up. Thanks for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand, and we'll catch you on Tuesday. Thank you.